My wife turned out not to be my wife at all. Instead, I found out she's actually a professional scammer who finds guys like me, tries to marry them, and takes them for all they're worth. She's done this to multiple guys before me, gets pregnant, and then doesn't have the baby. When I found out from her family that she was doing this to me, I lost it. and made my singular goal in life to destroy her. I made her get into crippling debt, lose her job, become a felon, and much, much more. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. I apologize up front for the rather lengthy post, but it's all true and this was my greatest revenge. It all starts about 10 years ago. I was happily engaged to a girl who I knew for about 9 years, but had only been dating for about 1 year. Let's call her Nancy McSeabag. All was good. She had her dream engagement ring, we had a nice house together, both had steady jobs, and the wedding plans were coming along nicely. About 2 months prior to the wedding, we found out we were going to have a baby. Such happiness had never been felt before. Wedding plans continued and the big day was only 28 days away. I come home from work and find that Nancy isn't home. I call her to see if she got held up at work and to see what time she might be home. But Nancy wasn't at work. She was at her grandmother's house in another state. Nancy calmly told me that she no longer wanted to get married and that she was not coming home. Complete and utter shock. What in the F just happened? I try and call her back but her phone is off. I call her grandmother, no answer. What about the wedding? What about our baby? What about everything? No answers. No contact for three days. Three days of no breath in my body. No clues, nothing. On day four, Nancy shows up and starts packing her stuff. She won't say a word to me. Nothing. She leaves and sends me an email saying that she can't be with me. Again, no reasons. I begin calling her sister and ask her what happened. Her sister tells me that she has no idea but gives me their mother's phone number. Strange. Nancy said her mom was out of the picture because she was an abusive alcoholic. Nevertheless, I call her mom. Her mother tells me that I am lucky number three who has fallen for this trap. Nancy cut her mom out of her life so her mom couldn't ruin Nancy's game of milking guys for money and resources. Nancy has been pregnant twice before and had, quote, miscarriages and milked guys for everything she could before running off to super Christian grandma's house and claiming abuse so grandma will take her in until the dust settles and she can do it again. What the F? Weeks go by and still no contact with Nancy. I've lost 20 pounds and have been counseled at my job for poor work performance. My family is still mad as heck. Family members lost money on travel plans to the wedding and I am mortified. I lost all the deposits on everything for the wedding since it was less than 30 days before it was canceled. I am piss broke. I check our joint bank account negative $2,000. Well, I guess I won't be paying the mortgage. I start to pull myself together and my sadness turns into rage. I had so much anger inside of me, I actually had to scale it back a bit or I might have gone to prison. A month and a half after the split, I get a text that says, I had a miscarriage. You stressed me out too much and my daughter is dead now. Daughter? I was having a daughter? You're blaming me for this? That's it. I am going to end this B. No, wait. Breathe. Get your act together. Take this B apart at the seams. A few days of Z-bars and whiskey get me over the hump of sadness again. Back to the rage. Let's do this. Most of Nancy's stuff was still at my house, which I had to walk away from because I can't afford it anymore. I start to pack it all up in order to get rid of it somehow, but I stumble upon a few things. Her resume and her checkbook to her personal bank account. I read her resume, but it's all BS like everything else. I hop on the computer, create a new Yahoo email 
email address and send a long letter to her corporate office telling them line by line how it's all lies. Feels good. Operation checkbook. I sign her name on every check and then rip all of them out of the book. I drive 30 minutes to the seediest part of town and leave them on a sidewalk in front of an AM PM. Too much good stuff. I go back home and throw out all of her stuff. Why not? Sue me B. Except her laptop. I keep that. Two more weeks go by and letters from some district attorney's bad check restitution program begin to trickle in the mail. Oh yeah. And the registration renewal for her car? Shred all of that. While I'm at it, I might as well put a change of address in for her at the post office. Where to? The temporary shelter for the homeless sounds good. I hear through a mutual friend that since Nancy is out of work now, she is staying with friends and supported financially by super Christian grandma. F that. I hop on her laptop and make a new Yahoo email address that is only one number different from Nancy's real email. I email super Christian grandma an explicit video that Nancy had made of herself a while back and I titled the email, Hey grandma, check out this video I took of my job. I hope I uploaded it right. The reply to the email says, You are disgusting. I hope your new job pays well because I'm not supporting you if you act like that. Oh dang, a two for one deal. Embarrassment and financial distress. Noise. Weeks go by and I get a call from Rent-A-Center. What the heck? Oh, they want all of Nancy's furniture back. I had no idea it was rent to own stuff. I tell them I don't have it. They argue and say she says I have it. I stick to my guns and tell them I do not have it and I don't know where it is. That night, I burn all the furniture in the yard. $4,200 owed. Zing. I find out that Nancy has a new job and as I am planning my next move, I hear great news. Nancy has been arrested and is in jail for embezzlement. Apparently, she had some money problems and stole $5,000 out of petty cash and got busted. Oh man, this is great. She did this to herself. Months go by with no updates. And then I hear from a friend that she was bailed out of jail by grandma after only a few days and ended up taking a plea bargain for a felony conviction and three years of probation along with restitution. Wrecked. I hang my hat and call it a day. I have gotten my revenge. I'll leave it there. Time to move on. But a couple months later, the phone rings. It's a repossession company looking for information on where Nancy is because they are trying to repossess her car. Haha, <laughs> okay. One last nail in the coffin. I make a few calls and find the address where she is staying. I call the repossession company back and give them the information. They thank me and say I am eligible for a $100 reward if they get the car back. I say, no thanks, this one's on me. Nancy is now a felon, jobless, and a single mom of a kid that she recently had from some random guy. She lives in an apartment with her brother and his girlfriend. I am happily married with a beautiful daughter and a great life. Yesterday, I get a Facebook message from Nancy saying, congrats on the marriage and daughter. I'm glad you're happy. I reply saying, go F yourself, smiley face. She blocked me. Life is good. Sometimes taking the low road heals the soul. So am I the jerk for my revenge? The very first question I had about this whole revenge story was the timeline. It wasn't the top response, but one of the responses actually questioned the same thing that I was wondering about. The question was, you say you knew her for nine years and you didn't know about the other two fiancés her mother claimed she had. And if she was a con artist after money and resources, why did she not marry you? Why did she sacrifice a lifetime of resources for a couple thousand dollars from your joint account? The original poster actually responded to this and said, the timeline of our relationship is a bit more convoluted, but I left out some details. Basically, we were friends and briefly dated in the late 90s. I joined the military, 
a few wars happened, we lost contact. This was when social media wasn't very prevalent, so I didn't know her every move. We reconnected after I got out of the military, and this is the rest. As for her motivation on the hit and run, I have no clue. The B is a straight up sociopath. If I had to take a guess as to why she did it this way, I'd probably assume that maybe it's because this is a lot more simple and clean rather than leaving the outcome of the decision to a judge who might flip things on her and reward the OP the lion's share of everything if the judge was thoroughly convinced that this woman was a con artist. Maybe that's happened to her in the past. Maybe she's heard stories about that happening. But either way, just taking the thousands and thousands of dollars from the bank account is simple and she gets the money right away. The OP here basically took every shot he could possibly take at her. Not only did he try to sabotage her job, her relationship with her grandma, but he even burned the furniture so she would owe money on this furniture. There's actually a TV show called Imposters, and the premise of the show is almost exactly this situation, except instead of it just being one rogue con artist, it's a whole team, and the woman does actually go through the marriage every time, but her main objective is to find something to blackmail them so they don't try to retaliate and get their money back. So it's the exact same concept, it's just a lot more elaborate, and prevents a situation where all this revenge takes place against them like the OP did in this story. So let me know what you guys make of this whole thing. Do you think this revenge was justified, or was it going too far? Jerk or not a jerk, and why? Before we jump into the next one, if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably gonna love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. My aunt was supposed to take care of my mom. Instead, she neglected her and stole her money. My mom had a degenerative neurological condition. My dad couldn't care for her and kept a roof over our heads. My aunt offered to care for my mom, and my dad built a large addition onto my aunt's house with the understanding that we would live there, and that my aunt would care for my mom until my mom's death. My aunt soon stopped caring for my mom altogether, ran up huge bills on my mom's credit card. My dad confronted my aunt, my aunt kicked us out, and a few years later, we got our revenge. It was brutal. Here's what happened. This is going to be a bit of a long one, but it's worth it. Back in the late 1980s, my mother Nancy was diagnosed with a degenerative neurological condition. My father was working long hours to put a roof over our heads and keep my mom seeing the best doctors, and eventually my parents realized that with two small kids and a body that was slowly but surely shutting down on her, she needed more help. We had an au pair for a while, but it wasn't a great fit. There was talk of hiring a nursing company to provide in-home care, but my mom's sister, Linda, very graciously offered to let us, my mom, my sister, and me, come live with their family and that she would be happy to take care of her little sister. After a few months of working out the details, my parents and my aunt and uncle agreed to the following. Number one, my dad would pay for construction of a large addition onto my aunt and uncle's home. This would be a fully separate home with three bedrooms, three bathrooms, a living room, a kitchen, and an unfinished basement. Number two, my aunt, who was unemployed, would be the primary caretaker for my mom for the foreseeable future. My aunt claimed that she'd care for her until one of us dies, but I think we all expected it would be more like 10 or 15 years. Number three, my mom would have living rights to the addition until her death. And lastly, number four, upon my mother's death, our claim to the addition would be relinquished and my aunt and uncle would own it outright. In 1990, my mom, my sister, and I moved three hours away to live with my aunt and her family. My dad stayed behind to continue working and this separation did eventually result in a mostly friendly divorce. Things went well enough at first and within six or eight months, the addition was built and we moved out of their spare room and into our new home. It would be a lie to say that it was massive, but it more than double the size of their house. We had our own exterior doors, our own heating and cooling, most every utility, electricity and plumbing were shared, but I think that was about it. For the first 
18 months or so, my aunt mostly held up her end of the bargain, but soon after, the cracks started to form. My uncle left my aunt in early 1991. Linda started getting lazy with my mom and consequently, her health was suffering, so my dad hired a home nursing outfit to come in every day and care for her. Linda took this as permission to stop helping with anything at all. My mom soon became bedridden. Not my aunt's fault, the disease is terrible, and couldn't leave the home, so Linda would do mom shopping for her, but started buying more than just my Christmas presents or our groceries. A little at first, and then a lot. Eventually, my mom's credit card bills really caught my dad's notice. All told, we calculated that she had run up about $20,000 in purchases that were for either her or her kids. This was in the early 90s. According to the inflation calculator I just looked at, that's the equivalent of about $40,000 USD now. My dad was working 70-hour weeks for the overtime just so he could cover his own mortgage, repaying his 401k for the loan he took out to build the addition, and these massive credit card bills. By late 1993, there was a confrontation. My dad canceled the credit cards and said, you are spending me dry. I can't have surprise bills like these anymore. And my aunt in turn said, get the F out of my house. Since it was an addition and technically not a separate home, and since my dad didn't have the money for an expensive legal battle, there was little we could do. Living rights be damned. Right at that same time, the house went into foreclosure. Linda had stopped paying the mortgage six or so months before. I'm fuzzy on this number, but it's in that ballpark. And the bank foreclosed. Linda didn't have the money to get current on the mortgage. My dad began making plans to buy the mortgage from the bank and take ownership of the whole property. Things were looking good on this front, and he told us that we'd be able to stay in our home. By this point, I was 12 years old and I had a lot of friends, so I really did not want to move. His plan was that he would charge Linda a fair rent for her half of the house. We would continue to live in our half and the door that connected the two halves would be forever locked. Sort of like a duplex. It's at this point that I need to introduce the last character to this story, whom I will call Maria. Maria was the first wife of my mom's and Linda's older brother. They had been married for a short time in the 70s and Maria became very close with her new sister-in-law. After the split from my uncle, she remained very friendly with both Linda's family and my family. And growing up, I called her Aunt Maria. Anyway, Linda now knows that my dad is planning on buying the house from the bank and she panics. Makes sense. Losing your home is scary. She calls anyone she can think of that will give her money to get current on the mortgage and Maria finally comes through and says, yeah, of course I'll help you out. Linda calls my dad and gloats that she's no longer losing her house and reiterates that my mom, my sister and I can move right the heck out. My dad calls Maria and tries to convince her not to swoop in and save Linda's bacon. He says, a move is going to be hard for the kids and extremely hard for Nancy. Linda has neglected Nancy and not held up her end of the bargain, etc, etc. But Maria says that she's committed to her decision. My dad gives her one bit of advice that will wind up being very important. Well then, don't just give her money to get current on her mortgage. She'll fall behind again soon enough. The house will still get foreclosed on and you'll be out of the money you gave her. Buy the mortgage from the bank instead and just charge Linda rent. That way, at least you've got something for your money. In early 1994, we move out of the addition. By early 1996, Maria rings my dad up. She did indeed buy the mortgage from the bank and now owns the property outright. Linda swore up and down that she would pay rent, but lo and behold, she hadn't paid any rent over the last two years. Maria asked if my dad would be interested in buying the property from 
her. It was a bit of a stretch since he was paying for two homes, his and the one I lived in with my mom and my sister. But he put the money together and soon enough we owned the property in question. At this point, Linda is in touch with my dad and is no longer extremely nasty and threatening to him. She's as sweet as can be, promising that she will pay him rent and will be a great tenant. My dad said, that's fine, you can rent the house, but if you miss a payment, I will begin eviction proceedings immediately. They drew up a contract, signed it, and I think she made two rent payments before calling up and asking for more time. He told her, I'm sorry, Linda, but if you don't have the money in my hands by the due date spelled out on the contract, I am going to evict you. The date came and went and the money never showed up and my dad gleefully began the eviction proceedings. They knew my dad meant business and moved out on their own before the sheriff did it for them. We owned that house as a rental property for several years using the income to fund my mom's medical care. Despite being separated since 1990, my parents stayed married until 2002 so that my mom would have health insurance. My dad gave the house to my mom in the divorce settlement and it was sold to pay for her care in a nursing facility where she lived from 2000 until her death in 2009. A lot of people are asking where are they now? So here are the answers to a few of those questions. Apologies in advance for over answering this question but every fiber of my being compels me not to gloss over this. My aunt Linda had three children. Her middle child was Michael. I think he's five years older than I am. So about 13 when the story starts in 1990. I was eight my sister was seven. Michael had always been really close with my sister and honestly no one ever thought anything of it. Even before we moved in with them, whenever we saw them on vacations, frequently as we all spent a lot of time at our grandmother's during the summer, Michael and my sister would disappear and play together. And this increased in frequency after we moved in. In 1996, my sister confessed to me that Michael had been inappropriately doing things to her since a few years before we moved in. This lasted until we moved out. I told my parents and my dad went to the police. Statements were given. An invasive examination of my sister revealed a long-heeled scar. All of this was entered as evidence. It was brought to a prosecutor who believed my sister's story and wanted to prosecute it. But since my cousin Michael denied it, and it's his word against hers, the prosecutor didn't feel she could win with a conviction and the case was dropped. As you can imagine, this deepened the schism between our families, so I have no idea where my aunt is now. I haven't spoken to her since the mid-90s. My sister struggled with self-esteem and feeling like she was worthy of love. She was my best friend in the entire world, really the other half of my whole. She spent her entire life in anguish and in retrospect, I am completely in awe of her strength to make it as long as she did. She eventually turned to H to numb the pain out just a little bit. Fentanyl really started showing up in H around 2016 and technically that was the mechanism of her death. But I'd argue that Michael killed her. My dad is doing alright. He just retired not that long ago. He is, like I am, struggling with grieving my sister's death. He remarried in 2006. And that is the story of how my neglectful aunt, who went back on her promise to take care of my mom, ultimately ended up getting ousted from her own house because my family bought it. So what would you have done? It's a pretty incredible juxtaposition to see how the dad reacted in the situation versus how the aunt reacted in the situation. The dad wasn't even with the mom from 1990 until 2002 but remained married to her so that she would have life-saving insurance despite whatever it is he wanted to do in his own life. Obviously, he probably did want to get remarried to somebody else because in 2006, he ended up doing so. That's a pretty deep level of selflessness and even if he wasn't doing it directly for the mom, he was doing it because he cared about the mother of his children. Now compare that to the aunt in the situation who wasn't even working and was stealing from someone who was bedridden. I mean, how much lower does it get than that? Dad was already working around the clock in order to keep up with all these bills for a lot of that time for someone he wasn't even with and the aunt was so self-serving that she's flipping on 
their agreement, trying to kick them out, trying to sabotage the original plans for them to buy the house, and most importantly, just not caring about her own sister. It just shows a huge lack of empathy because I'm sure she would want her sister to take care of her if she was in that same medical situation. And that whole situation on the very end about the cousin Michael and the OP sister was just sad. I'm sure the parents felt very awful about it because they were already dealing with one crisis as it was. The mom was bedbound and the dad was working constantly in order to pay for everything. But really, without the support of more family, it's hard to say what they could have done in that situation instead. So let me know how you see everything here. Do you think the revenge was going too far? Was it justified? And how would you have handled all of this? Let me know down below. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked to the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot, also linked in the description. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.